Here's what I want you to know. If you aren't willing to fail, you are never going to make it. It is a prerequisite to success. In fact, it is the thing that keeps you grounded in success is the fact that you know the price you paid. You're gonna go through so much struggle and so much failure that by the time you make it, you're gonna have a humility about you. I want you to lean into failure. I want you to go out there and work as hard as you can and, and, and celebrate your failure. You're listening to The Man Maker Show. Welcome to season one with your host, Brad Walgamon. This podcast is all about becoming a better man for ourselves and the people around us. So if you enjoy this episode, whether you're on your way to work or mowing the lawn, make sure to share this with somebody, like, and subscribe. Well, I hope you're ready, because here we go. Welcome to the Man Maker Show. Riley Wogelmott here as your host tonight. Hope you are doing well. Wrapping up the series here soon. Still down here in Cabo San Lucas at our beautiful new home. Having a wonderful time. It's evening, of course. You might see the stairs and the light in the background there. Having a great time down here with the family. Looking forward to getting back home. Although it is snowing at home and it's 82 degrees here. That might be a bit difficult, but uh, we love the snow and snowboarding. And our lake will be freezing, so we're playing hockey in the lake soon enough. That sounds amazing. I don't really know how to skate, but a little bit. <laughs> It'll be fun. My wife's amazing at skating. She's a Canadian, of course. That's how it goes. But uh, anyways, I hope you're doing great. Welcome back to the show. Uh, be brief tonight again. Try to keep the things around 20, 25 minutes. I know there's a lot of shows that are 45 minutes to an hour. Eventually, I'm sure I'll do some shows like that. But really, I want to try to keep these short, succinct, to the point. Give you four or five bullets to think about. <clears throat> As I go into series two and season three, I, I will probably take each of these points and really go a little, take a deeper dive on each of these four or five points on each of these different uh, episodes. But for now, I want to try to keep it at a high level so you don't get too overwhelmed with any one particular thing. So tonight, I'm going to talk about five things you're going to have to work through if you want to move in the direction of prosperity and success and influence and there are a lot of things this certainly is not going to be a completely complete list but these are kind of some of the internal things i think there are on the other side of the equation some things you're going to have to work through and, and i would call the other side of the equation things like uh prosperity greed power you know how do you how do you manage all those types of things because a lot of those can lead to as much struggle as they do victory but they typically come after a little bit of success but if you want success sustained success, then obviously you're gonna have to work through the second half of this. But for now, I'm gonna to speak to those of you that maybe haven't had your big win yet. Maybe you're just kind of wondering, you know, when am I gonna get my break? I can remember being 18, 19, 20, 21 years old and going, when am I gonna get my shot? Man, when my ship comes in, I'm gonna sail on it, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my shot. And I think we all probably have that thought. And if you haven't, you need to. Right? You need to have this burning desire inside of you to do something great because you want to make an impact. If you have a different motivation to be great, that's fine. That's up to you. But I think the sustainable method of ambition is to make an impact. Right? I asked my pastor many, many years ago, I said, talk to me about ambition. You know, I'm really ambitious and I want to win and I want to be significant. But how does that fit into the kingdom of God as a, as a man that you know, I want to be humble, but I want to win. I want to be successful and be prosperous. I want to do great things for my family. He says, ambition is good. 
Ambition is something God gave us and it's taught about in the book of Matthew. But he said, where ambition becomes a problem is when it replaces trust. And that really settled me in. Because I think in my life, if I go through my different seasons, uh, you know, without taking too much time on this early part of my message, I spent a lot of time early on trying to create success because it defined me. It made me more of a person, it made me more powerful, more successful, more attractive, more influential, more whatever. And, as, <clears throat> and that's the problem, right? That's why success becomes such a burden for so many people because if the reason for your prosperity is for you to be more, then what you're doing is you're putting in your ego, right? And that's E-G-O, edging God out, and that's where it replaces trust. Like, I'm a, I'm a big deal. I've done big things, right? Respect me. Here's what I've achieved. And what it does is it replaces this, this, this desperate, defining need to stay in a position of humility where we trust God for everything. And I'm not going to make this a message about that tonight, but this was kind of a, the revelation to me as I was going through breakthrough and the things that I had to overcome personally. And I think most of you probably need to do as well. But I think it's important that you settle your ambition because I think there are some people that have an internal conflict with creating success and prosperity because they think it's not of God, because they think it's self-absorbed or narcissistic or selfish. And frankly, it's really not unless you're that way. But if you're not narcissistic, if you're not completely selfish, if you're not completely self-absorbed, then your reason for creating prosperity and success is so that. It's the so that that matters. So that you can pr protect your family in, in times of need. When you can bless people around you in times of prosperity. So that you can share the kingdom with more people. So that you can be more generous with those that are in need. If we don't create a lot of prosperity, how are we going to help people? When the phone rings at your house and someone needs help, what are you going to do? I mean, you only bake so many meals. I mean, it's a nice of a generous statement that is and it helps. But really, it might be more like... <clears throat> several thousand dollars on a monthly basis to help them make ends meet. I can remember sitting in the hospital many years ago with a friend of mine. Uh, I used to coach baseball with him and his uh, young boy, they had found a huge tumor in his stomach and it was absolutely just wrecking him. And they had to do a major surgery and he had to leave his company for a period of weeks to sit by the side of his baby and make sure everything's okay. And, and you know, God bless him, it all worked out great and everything's had, had a great uh, you know, end result, but I remember being there and someone else came in and it was another guy I coached with, I won't mention his name just for confidentiality purposes, but he gave an envelope and he opened up and it was, of course, it was a nice card and a get well card, but in it was a check for $2,000. And it really struck me like, wow, that's motivating. Because in the base what it said is, hey, I know that in times like this, it may be difficult to keep your economics right, and I don't want you to have to worry about, so maybe this helps a little bit. And it really inspired me um, that, you know, that's oftentimes one of the big needs. So let's not argue with the, the, the fact that we need to create some prosperity. Let's talk about the things that slow us down. And the first one I'm gonna talk about, <clears throat> and it's silly, but it's real, and that's the fear of failure. I'm gonna talk about five with you tonight. There are many. But uh, these are the top five for me, and I think for most people. Most people fear failure. <clears throat> and yet, but there's a great statement. It's not the fear of failure, but it's the fear of how powerful we are, the fear of our own light. And I love that quote, and I'm gonna, I butchered it right there, but I think you know what I'm talking about if you've seen the movies and heard people that have said it. I, I'm not 100%. I totally agree with my greatest fear is 
my success, but we won't argue that point. For most people, we don't wanna look bad. Fear of failure is something you need to deal with. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about the image thing in a second, but here's what I want you to know. If you aren't willing to fail, you are never going to make it. It is a prerequisite to success. In fact, it is the thing that keeps you grounded in success, is the fact that you know the price you paid. And we see the evidence of that, of people that are given a tremendous amount of money in a lottery win or a big contract and they haven't figured out how to manage themselves or rich parents and they get an inheritance and they don't know what to do with it or uh, a lawsuit and they get this big fat check and what happens? It usually doesn't go very well. And I know of many, many, many cases of people that got too much money. They got, they got the fruit without developing the strength of the root and the tree and it all fell down and fell apart and, and we know no stories like that and so we kind of use it as like she's well i don't want to make a lot of money because i end up like that no 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 you're going to go through so much struggle and so much failure that by the time you make it you're going to have a humility about you i want you to lean into failure i want you to go out there and work as hard as you can and 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 celebrate your failures right Right? What's that? Have you ever seen that uh, video about the kid? And I'm the greatest pitcher there ever was. And he, and he throws the ball up. The, you know, he, he's not the greatest hitter of all time. And he, and he throws the ball up in the air and he swings at Boom, strike one. Don't worry about it. I'm the greatest hitter of all time. Throws the ball in the air and drops and hits it. Boom, misses it again. Go, oh my gosh, three strikes. But he's the greatest hitter of all time. And he loves to hit with two strikes. Throws up in the air and he swings mightily and he strikes out. And he goes, I'm the greatest pitcher of all time. The point is, is that in his failure, he determined that instead of saying I failed at, at, at hitting, I'm actually the greatest pitcher of all time. It's a cute little story about a child. But the, the, my point is, is fear, failure is where we learn. Failure is where we ask the important questions. If you're on a golf course and you just shot down the middle, you walk down the fairway going, that was awesome, wow. Rarely did we say why or how or what we do to, to make that happen. But if we duck hook it left or slice it right, if we're right-handed, we go, what happened? And we evaluate and we think about how we can make corrections on the next shot. And that's how you get better in any sport. When we fail, we ask the questions. When we succeed, we typically don't ask the questions. We're kind of uh, you know, glowing in our accomplishments. So it's the failure that's a teacher. And we do know that in every struggle is a seed of an equal or greater benefit. We'll talk more about the future about that failure and struggle and challenges serve a royal purpose. And we'll talk more about that in great detail. But my point is, I think you know this, but I want you to embrace it. If you're ever in the weight room, you push to failure. Your goal is to go so hard that you fail. And your greatest reward is actually in the rep that you fail at. It's the greatest breakdown and redevelopment of strength. And it's an analogy for life. It's the greatest failures that make us the greatest, humblest leaders. Because it's when we ask why, how. So let's just flush the fear of failure because it just, there's no need for it, okay? I think the other area that people really struggle and are maybe afraid of, and that's talking to people. And really that's kind of a, a FOPO thing, right? Fear of people's opinions. It's a, it's a real issue. But let's just talk about the concept of talking to people. I think the reason that we struggle in talking to people is because we're thinking about what we need to say as compared to the questions that we should ask that help the person we're with feel better. You see, if the goal of your communication is for you to feel better 
it becomes a very awkward conversation because by nature, most of us are not selfish. Most of us are not self-absorbed. Most of us are humble. We've had our butts kicked. We've made mistakes. We've fallen down. We're not, we know we're not a big deal. We just know it, <clears throat> right? We just know. It's just that's part of it. We don't, we don't, we're not cocky by nature. Some are, but that's a rare person. So, so what happens is, is we're in a conversation. The goal in talking to people is to leave them feeling better is to leave them feeling inspired, inspired, to leave them feeling more confident. So instead of thinking what you need to say, think about the questions to ask. How are you? What's going on in your world? What are you working on? What's, what books have you read? What's inspiring you, right? I, I built a thing in my life years ago. It was called Help, H-E-L-P, and because I, I wanna help people. So humor is number one. Learn to laugh, learn to smile, learn to have conversation. We'll talk more in detail about this later, but. E, talk about the environment. What's going on? Are we waiting in line? Is it hot? Is it cold? Is it busy? Is it loud? Is it quiet? Talk about the environment. L, be aware of your body language, right? Open up, right? You know, use your hands. I mean, I'm a little bit over the top of my hands, but just be engaged with your body. Eye contact. Get your hands out of your pockets. Connect with people. Don't cross your arms. Don't cover your mouth. Be open to people. And then P, look for parallels. The, the reason we're afraid in talking to people typically is because we're trying to get something. And if you could shift the purpose of talking to people to give something, I think you'll win. I have a lot of people say, well, I'm just kind of shy with people. <clears throat> okay, shy means what? You're really concerned about what they think about you. So you're telling me that shy people are like self-absorbed, <clears throat> narcissists, just totally consume themselves? No. In fact, I would say, I would argue that shy people are some of the nicest, kindest, sweetest, and most disarming people on the planet. They're just, I mean, the nicest people. But they confuse the whole concept, the whole environment, because the idea of being nice is to leave people feeling better than when they arrived. So if you really are shy and you really are nice and you really are thoughtful, then find ways to bring a conversation to get people talk about their favorite subject. And what is it? Themselves. Not in an arrogant way, but it's what they're most comfortable doing, right? They're most confident. And I'll talk more about some of the skill sets and learning how to mirror an NLP and a variety of things. We'll do episodes on this in the future. I spend a lot of time studying communication skills and how to connect with people. But for the most part, what I want you to do is I want you to take the opportunity in connecting with people and do this. I'm all about you learning about you, what do you do, where you're from, how do you do that, why do you do that, what's your goal, how can I help you? Change your, your agenda to leave people feeling better about themselves than you do you, right? These are, these are really simple things, but a lot of people seem to miss them. And uh, when I'm around people that are really good at it, right, my pastor, um, I talk about him maybe more than I should just because I'm so impressed by him, but I've just watched him in many social environments where he's a, tr he's a great question asker and people love to be around him because he's a great inquisitor. He likes to ask questions he, and he has a, a deep fascination for, for people and that's me. I have a deep fascination for people. I wanna know what's going on. Develop that skill and you will be fine. <clears throat> the third one you gotta really work on and this is a silly one, but it's the fear of rejection. Here's what, here's what I know about rejection. People don't reject you, they reject themselves. They reject the opportunity to be in your life. Now there's a lot of reasons people do this. One, 
Um, they're uncomfortable in relationships. Two, they've been hurt by a lot of people, so they put up a lot of walls. Three, they're just very private and they don't wanna have a lot of friends. Or four, they don't vibe with you. Well, that's okay. There's what, seven billion people on the world now, five, six, seven billion or something. You're not gonna vibe with everybody. Don't worry about it. There's millions and millions of people out there just like you that will vibe with you, that do have similar interests of art or music or sports or age or religion or politics or whatever. If they're not vibing, don't worry about it. Move on. They're not meant for you. They're meant for somebody else and that's okay. I mean, who has time for a million friends anyways? <clears throat> Uh, a little while ago, a good friend of mine, Wayne Player, said, Brad, you're part of my Palm 5. And I'm like, Palm 5? Like, high five? Or what does that mean? He goes, no, Palm 5. Your Palm 5 is the five men that will carry your casket. And I'm like, whoa. Is there ever been a greater compliment than given to someone to say, I want you to carry my casket. My last journey, I want you to assist me. It brought tears to my eyes because I didn't know that he looked at me that way. We've been dear friends for a long time. We've had a lot of deep conversations. We've been through a lot of personal struggles together. But to be part of that inner circle of people that he trusts enough to be part of that, it touched me. And I think the reason we had the relationship is because of the questions that we've asked each other. We've gone deep into her. So I want to encourage you to get past this fear of rejection because they're not rejecting you. Don't take it so personally. Right, it's okay. You don't have time for everybody. You got time for maybe a half a dozen really good friends in your life, maybe a dozen. I mean, Jesus had 12 and he lost one. It's tough to have really deep friendships for a long time. So in all reality, you might only have four or five in your entire life, it's okay. But make the effort, get out of your box. Don't get self-absorbed, don't hide. People need your message, they need your story. And if people reject you, they're not rejecting you. It's their own insecurities. And so instead of being offended or hurt or taking it personally, just trade it for mercy, right? I've said for years, trade judgment for mercy. Instead of feeling judged or judging that, just trade it for mercy. I just feel bad for them. Because I mean, honestly, if they accepted my friendship, they'd be blessed. I'm fun, I'm nice, I'm kind, I'm thoughtful, I'm caring, I'm generous, I, I, I care about you, I'll, I'll be there for you, I'll do things for you. If you don't be my friend, it's kind of a bummer for you because I'm a good dude. <clears throat> and I hope you say that about yourself and I hope as you're becoming a man, that you're becoming that kind of person. <clears throat> and the people that want to be around you, instead of being mad, it's like, bummer for you because I'm a good dude and I'll help you mow your lawn. I'll help you put your fence up. I'll help you fix your car. I'll remember your birthday. I'll do things. I, I, I love people. Become that person so that the fear of rejection isn't real because they're not rejecting you. How could they? They're just rejecting that they're in a different space and it's okay, right? I think the next one, and this is gonna be a very, very big subject, but I, I won't take time for it, but I'm just gonna call it relational balance. If you're gonna be successful, and I don't mean if, like I doubt it, I'm just saying, hypothetically, your goal is to become, become prosperous, become a man, become a leader, have a great spouse, have great children, have great impact. Look back in the, in the last seasons of your life, go, wow, I ran my race, I ran it well, I made an impact, I created some wealth, I took care of myself, and the world's a better place because I lived. <clears throat> if that's part of your big picture, which I really pray to God that it is, 
then you're gonna have to understand relational balance. You don't have time for everybody. And I'll do a, 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 another episode on, on how you can de delineate between who gets lots of time and who gets a little bit of time. It's a very big subject, but you're gonna have to create balance. You're gonna have to cut some friends loose. You're gonna have to bring some friends in. You're gonna have to have a relational balance with your kids. And this is a whole subject in itself, but if you're gonna kick butt and win and, and, and really work hard, your kids are gonna have to pay a price. And I think, again, another subject, but I think your children get great value out of seeing you work hard as a man. They learn how to succeed by seeing you struggle and grind and your humility and your coachability when they see you in your season of really getting after it. That's why I think a lot of athletes end up in a lot of troubles because in the greatest season of their life, they had no kids or the kids were too small. By the time the kids grow up to see what their daddy did, they got to watch game film because the dads are done playing sports and never see it, but they get all this money and all this wealth and all this prosperity and the kids are like, yeah, my dad played football. Yeah, I'm rich because of that. And they don't understand that dad paid a 25 year price from age 10 to 35 to create this dynamic success and you don't see the work habit. Your children need to see you work hard. The relational balance with your kids, selfishly, I wanna be with my kid every single day. But I also don't think I do them a service of thinking that that's the real world because the real world is hard work. It's a grind. I love it. I loved every minute of it, but it wasn't easy. And it took everything you had. A relational balance with my spouse, my spouse your spouse. Why was it hard to say? Your spouse, your spouse, your mouse, your wife. <laughs> Why is that difficult? I love my wife it, it, with everything that I am. I, I am delirious about Shelly. I wanna be with her all the time. I'm, I'm probably as much of a pest as I am anything else. But I know that for me to be her king, I've got to serve people. I've got to do what a king does. I've gotta lead, I've gotta impact, I've gotta study, I've gotta pray, I've gotta be mentored, I've gotta mentor, I've gotta travel, I've gotta speak, I've gotta do things. If I wanna provide for my the most important human being in my life, and that's my wife, I need to be willing to give up some time with her and I don't want to, but that's part of relational balance. And I will spend more time on this in the future. But just to understand, if you're working hard, you're grinding, you're gonna be a little bit out of relational balance. There's a proper parameter for it, and this is the time and place to talk about it with great detail, and I will in the future, but just know this. You can't be everything to everyone. Relational balance is learning how to have your checks and balances. I call it rhythms and margins, and we'll talk more about that in the future but learning how to develop a balance in your life that sometimes just means you're out of balance. And that's just the simple reality of it. So the last thing I'll talk about, just to keep this you know, reasonably short, point number five, and it's the oldest one we've heard a million times, it's kind of been the latest buzzword, it's called FOMO. <clears throat> the reality is if you're gonna go out and do something, you're gonna pay a price. Every yes must have a powerful no. If you're saying yes to doing something, you're saying no to doing something, because we only have 24 hours a day. Sometimes the no is to sleep. Sometimes the no is to social life. Sometimes the no is to fishing and hunting and hiking. If I'm saying yes to commit to a project, it's gonna take my heart, soul, blood, and everything I've got, I'm gonna have to say no. If I don't say yes with any authority, my no will be weak as well. And I'll try to balance back and forth. The reality is, is that you're gonna miss a few things. And for me, I missed my 20s and half of my 30s. 
My kids were born when I was 28 years old. I had my first child. My last one was born five years ago. So I've been having kiddos for a long time, going on for 20 years. I didn't miss that much, relatively speaking. I'm glad that for 15 years, frankly, in my life, to about 35, I couldn't tell you who won a Super Bowl or World Series. Probably. I mean, I remember the Huskies won the national champions in 1981. <laughs> I'm not going to lie about that. But for the most part, I couldn't tell you about TV shows in the 90s. I couldn't tell you about rock bands in the 90s. I couldn't tell you about most sports in the 90s. I didn't know. You know what I didn't know? Because there was a no in my yes. And my yes was I had to build my company and work hard and be passionate in order to get the life that I wanted to provide for those that I love. I wanted to give my wife a chance to never have to worry about money. I wanted my kids to have the opportunity to go to the best schools possible and never have to worry about money. I wanted to be able to bless my parents in their older years when they couldn't provide themselves because that I could. I wanted to be able to be involved in things that I believed in with my church and my community because I had the money, time, and place to be generous. But if I'd have been so busy trying to do everything, like make every concert and make every show and every sporting event and all my fishing, I had to say no. My favorite thing to do is fishing. But I didn't fish for probably 15 years, even when I was taking margin time. I was taking off time and I was taking a little bit of a, you know, a week-long sabbatical, which is not really a sabbatical, but a week off for me was a lot. I didn't go fishing. You know why? Because it was at, oh, dark 30 in the morning, 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock. It was too much. It would take two days to recover. I was so tired coming into my break time. All I had enough energy was to do was recover and sleep. So I, I, I didn't even do it then. I'm making up for lost time now, don't you worry. I fish a lot, probably a lot more than I should now. But FOMO's a real deal. You're gonna have to miss out on some things. So what? I mean, you really, does it really matter who won the World Series in 1997, 2012? Does it really matter? I don't know. If it's your team, it might matter. But for the most part, it's not your team. It's a hobby. And they got to the quarterfinals, they got to the semifinals, and they won this many games, and blah, blah, blah. Or it was this band, or it was this show, or it was this whatever you were involved in, softball team. Is that really going to matter? Is it really going to matter if you're super Atlas? We talked about in a recent episode about taking care of your body, but if you're obsessed with it to a point where it runs your life, is it really worth it? No, it's not worth it. You live your own life. I'm not the judge, but I'm saying you may not be able to work out at 4 o'clock in the morning like, oh, I work out at 5 a.m. Well, that's not going to be the case if you work until 2 o'clock at night. So now you go to bed at 10, get your de dead dog tired, gives you up at five to work out. So maybe workout is taking up too much on the front, back end of your, of your day. You're going to bed early because you got to get through to work out. So maybe you're missing out on the opportunity to do more reading, do more research, do more connection, do more business, do more things to run your financial gains and you're out of balance. I'm just saying, think about it. I don't know it all. I want you to be a great man. I want you to be significant. I want you to be successful. I want you to make an impact. I want you to be on fire. I want people to gather around to see you burn and feel you burn. And I mean, not in a negative way, but just to feel your heat. I want people to know your name because you care, because you matter, because you fought for it. And that's going to take the man stuff. The man maker show is about teaching you how to man up. And it ain't always going to be fun. It's not always going to be easy. It's going to take everything you've got. But I'm just telling you, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. It's hard, I know, but it's so hard that you will be humble and grateful in your prosperity. I have a chance each year to come down to Cabo and fish in an amazing fishing derby. It's called the Bisbees. 
black and blue. First prize, five to $10 million. It's the richest fishing tournament in the world. The airport is full of private jets. There must be 30, 40, 50, 60, I don't know, maybe a hundred of them out there. It's just ridiculous. And there's probably 50 to 100 boats that are in the, in, in, the, in the event. And I have a friend of mine that has invited me to be on his team. And it's a real honor. One of the cool things about it is to go all to the little parties afterwards and meet all these jet slash boat slash fishing derby people. Because about 90% of the time, they're first generation wealth. And they are humble. And they are kind. And they came from nothing. That's the hard work result. The sacrificial work to create the dynamic success. You'll have the same. Be willing to do whatever it takes. We'll talk more in the future about those components of creating your greatness. You're going to win. You're going to be amazing. I don't know you, but if you're watching this, I'm a fan of you. Because you've had the courage to listen and dig in. And I can't wait to hear and see what you're going to do with your life. All right? Man, make it out.